You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. The Word of God in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44, where Luke writes, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days that will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. This is God's word. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Um, Last Sunday we talked about Faith, faith for the future, how to prepare yourself to look forward, Um, and there were several things that I gave you. One of the things I said was to be a person of faith and to be able to see faith into the future, uh, you would have to be very much uh, outward focused rather than inward focused, and so I want to talk a little bit about that today, all right? We, uh, We definitely have been looking at ourselves a lot. Uh, over the last several years, moving from the other building to this building, growing, trying to figure out how to accommodate growth and do it well uh, for everyone. Uh, That's been a lot of challenge for us, and so we've had to look at what that means, what church growth means, what it looks like, uh, developing some theology around all of that kind of stuff. Uh, So we we looked in a lot. Um, And then just recently, David and I felt the Lord really leading us uh, the Holy Spirit was speaking to us to, to move more of looking at ourselves and really finding those places or those points where there's strongholds or bondages, things in our lives, and really getting free of those. And so we've been in this season of looking at freedom in Christ and our identity in Christ and that sort of thing. Uh, and we did all of that obviously because we felt like that's what the Holy Spirit was leading us to do. And at the same time, we became very aware that it looks like God is doing something in Life Church uh, that has a lot of sense to it. It, it. it actually makes sense, not only to us, but to the Holy Spirit as well, to be moving in these directions. Um, and when, when you see the handprint of God in your life somewhere, when you start to see things and you know that mm, that's more than just stuff, all right? Uh, there seems to be some markers happening here. And God seems to be, you know, like making me aware of certain things. When that sort of stuff happens, that's when you have to really take note and say, okay, God, what are you doing? What is, what is going on here? And I really believe that God wants to continue growing us, but I don't believe that God wants to, to grow us for the sake of growth. I think that God is growing us to have influence, to make a difference, to have an impact. All right. And so as we grow, we need to have that that piece uh, going along with us. So the momentum for growth has to be matched by the momentum of influence. So as we grow, we have to be influential. All right. Otherwise, we're just growing for the sake of growing. And there is no impact. There is nothing happening as a result of that growth. All right. And so that means we're just getting bigger. All right, and none of us need that. Okay, um, so what we're doing is we're trying to figure out what what does that look like to have that impact that matches the growth. How do we how do we utilize and take advantage of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and through us, 
so that ultimately God is getting the glory and the honor for what is happening, okay? And so that means we have to really look at what our mark is. What, what, what kind of impact are we having? What kind of difference are we making? And that means looking at more than just what is internally happening within us as individuals, and it's even more than looking at what is internally happening with us as a church. It is actually being able to look outside the four walls and say, okay, God, what is the, what is the purpose? What is the intentionality? What is the will that you have for us out there beyond where we are? And I want to try to help you to see that maybe a little bit from God's eyes this morning uh, and also to really challenge you and I that we feel it from within, that we really take ownership of this call of God uh, to reach into our city and even beyond and not see ourselves so small. Remember the other thing we talked about last Sunday was we cannot see ourselves as victims, all right? We, we, we can't enter into victimization uh, if we're going to follow God and grow and have the impact that God wants us to have. By that, I mean we can't see ourselves and go, oh, well, we're small. We're, we're, we have the, the sort of the Gideon mentality. You know, we're the least of the least of the least. Uh, and so we don't want to find ourselves falling into that kind of mental process where we actually start to diminish our impact because we don't see ourselves capable. We want to be people of great faith and believe that God can do some amazing things with us, okay? So to do that, we really need to have a community view, all right? We, we need to see things differently maybe than we have been seeing them sometimes or that we have a tendency to see them. A lot of us, we have a tendency to look at our very narrow little world and that's what means so much to us, all right? And God's intent, I believe, is to open our eyes to a world that is much bigger and much more grand than the world that we see normally on a day-to-day -day basis. So we need to be able to have a view that is far more community-oriented than it is just self-oriented, uh, all right? Now, uh, a number of years ago, let me just tell you a story to start out this morning. A number of years ago, my wife and I, we were living in Minot, North Dakota, um, great community, by the way, okay? Um, <laughs> we have my notions in church today, so I just want to just let you know it's a great, a great place. Uh, I didn't really like it, though, to be quite honest with you. A southern boy going to Minot, North Dakota from Sarasota, Florida, uh, that was quite a transition, okay? Let's be honest, all right? But that was where God took me. Uh, by God's great wisdom and foresight, he moved me, all right? Um, I may not have been very aware of that happening, and I may not have been really on board with God uh, fully, but that's what he was doing. He was moving me, and he moved me to Minot, North Dakota. Uh, and there I attended Bible college. Uh, amazing things happened in my life in Minot, North Dakota that had never happened anywhere else on the face of the earth I had traveled. Uh, most particularly, I met my wife in Minot, North Dakota. Uh, and uh, she was a good West River girl and uh, was going to the university in Minot, and we met at the Bible College. So that was one of the greatest things that happened there. Uh, but we went through college, and we graduated, and we had jobs, and she was teaching, and I was working in middle management uh, with the J.C. Penney Company. We were very upwardly mobile. We had bought a, a, a four-bedroom house. We got a dog. Um, we did all kinds of things that people do as they, they are growing. But, but the unique thing happened. You know, we were upwardly mobile. We were moving forward. We were acquiring things. Uh, we had everything that someone in Minot, North Dakota should be happy with. 
And yet in the midst of that, we became unsettled with all of that. You know, we became uh, not disillusioned, uh, but disenchanted with the place we were at and began to seek God. And uh, had a wonderful pastor who uh, began to seek God with us, and we were really praying about what we would do. You know, what God, what we, we had tried from, from, the, from, the, from the onset of of being married, even before being married, we were putting fillers out, and we were trying to get somewhere, and we traveled to different places, uh, wanting to, to, to find something somewhere other than living in Minot, North Dakota, and it never happened. It, it just wasn't happening, uh, and so there we were for a number of years. I was pastoring a small church in Antler, North Dakota, and we were driving up to the Canadian border every Sunday, and uh, people were coming from different communities, and this little church was growing, and, and it, it was a sweet experience in many ways, um, but suddenly we became unsettled with the place we were, um, and I began to realize that that, was, that wasn't just us, but God was doing something in us. And, and we started to talk to our pastor and, and get advice uh, from him and talk to other people. But an amazing thing happened. And, and I will cry as I tell you this, okay? So just bear with me. But I'm, I, I have a great need to know that I know that I know. I don't like to just jump out on a whim, especially something that is big and, 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 and really transformational for myself or my family. And we were trying to figure out what to do. And, and I, was, I was struggling with the whole thing of being unsettled, you know, in this place. And um, one night my wife called me, and it wasn't the best night at work. And I was, I was at the mall, and it, I, I had to stay later than usual. And she was at a, a, a workshop conference kind of thing at the, at, at the church. And I think it was at the church. Or, uh, but there were a lot of leaders from this denomination that our lives had been focused around during this season of our lives. And some old schoolmates had come back to, to be at, at these events. And so it was, it, she was enjoying that. And uh, she called me and said, hey, some of your old classmates, some friends of ours are meeting at Perkins uh, after uh, this event is over tonight, and, and uh, why don't you just meet us when you get off work? And I didn't want to go. I absolutely did not want to go. I didn't want to be with any of these people. I just wanted to be by myself. I was just feeling kind of sorry for myself. Uh, but she said, come on, you, you can go. So she drove to Perkins. I drove to Perkins from the mall. It wasn't very far away. We were sitting with some of our old friends, and I was sitting there, and you know, the, the seats in Perkins are not the greatest, and, and we had one of those tables where, you know, it's like it's curved around, and there's like a bench halfway around the table, and you all have to scrunch, and I hate those so much, you know, and, and, and so I get there, and they're already there, and, and my wife and someone else gets out of their side, which meant I was supposed to get in there and go to the middle, which an old friend of mine was sitting there, and so I think the logic was, well, we'll just push Bill in there beside his old friend and they'll have a good conversation and I was sitting there and I was not conversing very much and it wasn't pleasant and I just wanted to go home and my friend turned to me and he said you know I mean out of the blue they're they're talking about all kinds of things but there had been talk about church growth and different churches and in North Dakota South Dakota the upper Midwest all kinds of things were were being discussed and he said to me he, he just turns to me and he says hey, you know, I think it's really sad that our denomination doesn't have a church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And this wasn't about a denomination at all. Okay, please understand that. 
This was about a city. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what, in that moment when, when he said, when, when Sam said that to me, uh, I literally lost the sense of being where I was. Like, like I, I wasn't aware for a moment. I don't know how long that moment was, but I wasn't aware for a moment that I was sitting beside anyone. I wasn't aware that I was in a Perkins. I wasn't aware uh, of a lot of things. It was like something began to reverberate through my body that was absolutely mystical in a sense. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was the Holy Spirit. And it was like, whoa, God you're doing something that I'm not familiar with here. Like, you're actually messing with my physical body right now, you know? I don't, I'm not sure what's going on here. But at the, at the end of that moment, of that sensation, I knew, like, I knew in my heart and in my mind that I was called to go to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I didn't know why. I didn't know how I'd get there. And the thing that I was most afraid of was, I'm going to have to talk to my wife about this. And I think she might be happy. I think she might be okay and content with a, a nice house and a, and a job and a, and a puppy that she sits with every night when I work and watches movies with and eats Haagen-Dazs ice cream with, you know. This might, be, this might not be the baddest gig in the world, you know. And so there was this, this, this sense in me of what, what, is, what am I going to do? How am I going to approach this with her? We have to go to Sioux Falls. Folks, you have to understand, way back, we went to Sioux Falls. Way back, we went and we were like, maybe Sioux Falls is the place we're supposed to go. It's a big city in the Dakotas. And maybe that's where we can find jobs. And I was like, and it's way further south than Minot. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, I had selfish motives here. We tried. And everything fell through. It's like, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? Am I just being weird here? Did I just have some kind of weird, like, out-of-body experience and I'm going crazy mad here or what, you know? Or is this really you? And, and for whatever reason, that night, I was terribly tired and, and terribly distraught over some things. And, and I think my wife sensed that. And she says, why don't we just drive home in one car together? And so we left my car. Do you remember this? We left my car at Perkins. We didn't live that far away, and so she drove us home. And just even getting in the car, like walking out of Perkins, I was so drained. And I'm sorry for telling you all the details, but I want you to get this, okay? I was so drained, and I sat down in the car, and I'm like, God, I don't know. If this, this could like have like repercussions to my marriage. I'm not sure about all of this, but I can't do this without my wife. And you are going to have to tell her to do this. I can't tell her to do this. It's got to come from you. And, and, and it was bothering me so much. And, of course, sometimes when things really bother me, I don't think about timing a whole lot. So I was just like, I just like turned and I was like, Barb, like, can I, I'm going to ask you a question. Would you like 
Like, would you ever just, like, give up everything? Like, would you sell our house? Would, would you get rid of everything? Would you, like, be willing to just, like, get up? If God told you to do it, would you just get up? And would you, like, just go somewhere else and start all over and, and, start, and do some kind of ministry? Would you, like, ever do that? I mean, I know that's crazy, but would you, like, ever do that? And my wife looked at me, and she said to me, I don't know if you remember, she said, I'd go to Sioux Falls, That started the adventure that brings me here today. And, and there's so much more, and there's so much to that adventure of getting here. But what I, what I want you to understand is God didn't call me to a denomination, and God didn't call me to a, a, a ministry career, and, and God didn't call me to a, a lot of other things that callings have about them, you know. Honestly, God initially called me to a city. Like, like he and I wrestled through this thing of being called to be a, a preacher, you know, to, to preach the word. But I had been pastoring this sweet, little, very safe congregation up on the Canadian border. I could have stayed there. I probably could have learned to fish up there, actually, uh, and, and other things, too, you know. But God moved us, and God called us, my wife and I, in deep in our hearts, he called us to a city. He called us to Sioux Falls. And honestly, if I were going to, if God said, here's a, here's a broad, like, map of the country or even the world, and pick a city, Bill, I'm going to be honest with you, it wouldn't have been Sioux Falls. I'd have picked a beach, sure as you are thinking today. I'd have picked a warm beach, a sunny beach, okay? It'd have been great, but God picked Sioux Falls. And because of that, we've never been able to leave. Like, I've never been able to think of another place. Calls would come, would you consider, or could we put your name in? Uh, no, 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 can't do it. I'm called to Sioux Falls, okay? And I remember coming here, and I remember driving in, you know, and I remember seeing the penitentiary, and I remember going, okay, well, there's a symbol. Yeah. And yet, I knew that I knew that I knew it was called a Sioux Falls. What, is it, what does it look like to see a city? What does it look like to see community transformation. I, I don't know that I know what all it looks like exactly, but I know one thing that it looks like. It looks like groups of people getting together in community and doing life together and loving their city enough to try to impact it in some way. I know that that is one piece. I know that that is one mark of being called to a city and, and, and really having a heart for a community being transformed. And I believe it happens even better when other communities of Christians get together and work with one another to do that kind of thing. Let me tell you one other story, and then I'll get to the heart of today. Um, this is the story of Henry. Henry is told in the story uh, of a powerful move of God in a community in California. It's in the book called Commitment to Conquer, uh, a book written by a fellow named Bob Beckett. Um, it's a book written a number of years ago, but, but here's how it goes. Several years, he, he, he tells the story in the book, and he says, several years ago, a young man 
graduated from a very, very prominent denominational seminary. Uh, his name is, is Henry for the sake of the story. All right, that's not his real name. Um, and he was, at the time, one of the brightest and most promising students at the seminary. Uh, one, that, one probably of the most promising students that this particular seminary had produced in decades, all right? And so the denomination and the seminary had him on their radar. They had a lot of plans for him. They were very optimistic about his future and the importance that, that he would have in the denomination. And so they were looking at top-shelf pastorates for this young man, even early on, just coming out of the seminary. And so several months before he graduated from the seminary, uh, Henry was in this, this like time of prayer, and he, was, you know, he described it as a very intense time of prayer. Uh, and as he prayed, this kind of feeling, um, and, and I think it's something like what I was feeling that night in, in, uh, in Perkins, uh, but he says this feeling came over him, and it was a longing. It was like a desire for a, a very little community. It was a community of about 10,000 people or less, he said. Um, and uh, his denomination, in fact, had tuned this particular community out. They had a church there. They had a parsonage there in that, that community. Uh, but that place, that little area, had been so hard on pastors and congregations that no one even wanted to go there for years. And so they just had shut everything down. Uh, they actually nailed the doors shut and said they would never send anyone back to that particular community. Now, Henry did not know anything about this history of this com little community. He only knew that after he prayed, he had this amazing longing and desire to go and be in this community, all right? So all he knew was that God had given him this burden, this, this, this desire that he, the, the young man who was at the top of his class, uh, that he would go there and that he would pastor the church there. So he went to the denomination, um, to the leaders, and, and he told them that when he graduated, uh, this is where he wanted to go. He said it this way. He goes, I would like one assignment and only one, and I don't want to go anywhere else. And he named this little community. And they did not want to destroy this man in this community, and they felt like that's what would happen, and they said no immediately. I mean, it was like, no, we're not sending anybody there. We're done there. We won't go back there. And he says, okay, well, you go pray, and I'll go pray. And he left, and he came back weeks later, and he presented them the same uh, offer, and they said no. And he says, okay, well, thank you. You pray, I'll pray. And he went back, and, and he did this consistently until eventually he literally wore the leadership of the, the, the denomination down, and they finally gave in, all right? Um, so they offered him first a very prominent church uh, in all of the nation and, and told him, it's yours. You can have it, all right? And he said, no, I do not want that. I've told you what I want, and that's all I want, and I don't want anything else. And uh, so after he, you know, turned them down, they said, okay, you can go, all right? He said, I can't be disobedient to the call of God, and God's laid this on my heart. Um, so after a little while, he packed everything up. Uh, that yes, that okay was all he needed from them. He said, I don't need anything else from you. That's all I need, just a yes that I can go. Um, and he packed his, his little trailer up behind his little car, um, and he headed to that particular town. Uh, as he tells the story, he arrived in town. He pulled up to the front of the parsonage. He unloaded his trailer, uh, you know, took the nails off the doors or whatever, uh, got settled into the little house there. 
Um, and uh, while his little wife was unpacking the rest of the boxes, he unhitched the trailer from his car. He got in his car. He drove downtown to the city uh, building, whatever that was, uh, walked in and said, do you have Little Leagues here? And they said, yes. He said, I would like to sign up to be a coach for Little League. And they signed him up as a coach. He gave them the address of the parsonage. He signed up to be a coach for Little League. Uh, he said, now, can you tell me where the cemetery is? Is there a cemetery in town? They said, yes. He said, show me where the cemetery is. He went out to the cemetery, and he bought a plot for him and his wife. He took his wife, and they stood on the edge of the city. And he said, God, here we are. We're here to stay. We're going to be here. And you know what, God? The devil's about to leave. And he stayed there. And he grew one of the largest churches that that particular denomination uh, had over a short period of time. And it wasn't because he was so skilled, he says. It was because God gave him a heart for a city. And he loved a city into a place of revival. His story is very different from mine in some ways, but similar to mine in some ways. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. I think every one of you, whether you have that kind of experience or not, because you're sitting here and you're living in this city and you're a part of this church, God has a plan and a purpose for you and I in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Some of you live in small communities outside of Sioux Falls, okay? Well, you have a double blessing, all right? You're called to your little community to have an impact, and you're also called here to Life Church to have an impact inside the city of Sioux Falls. So God bless you for your, for your double blessing, all right? But, but I want to say to you that I believe you and I are called here, and I believe this is something that Jesus has in his heart and that's why I chose this passage today to give to you because this is a, this is a unique passage and this moment where you, it, we read about Jesus looking over Jerusalem and weeping is sandwiched in between some other major, major things that are going on. Jesus is headed to the cross. He is so close to his crucifixion. This is, this is a moment when, when the, the darkness of, of uh, the, the death on the cross is right there over him. It is so imminent. And he's just come through this triumphal entry where they've tried to, to, to make him king and, 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 and give praises to him, all right? And, and he's, he's, he's moving now towards the city. And uh, as he leaves these people who have gathered around him and who are acknowledging him and, and giving accolades and praises to him, it's like he gets off the donkey and he, and he starts to head towards the city. And it's like you, you can just tell that the whole story is really transitioning here and it's, it's feeling much more somber. And as he rises over that little hill and as he looks down into the valley there and there is Jerusalem, and I'm sure that as close as he is, you know, and at the time of the day it is, he is able to see down and he is able to see the smoke that's rising up from the incense of all the religious people and the prayers that they are praying. And he's hearing those kinds of prayers. And as he sees the religious leaders all in their religion and all caught up in their Phariseeism and all these other kinds of things that are going on down there, I, he stands there over that city and he begins to cry and he weeps over the city the scripture says and he longs for this city because you see he understands something he understands what is out there he understands the future that is in front of Jerusalem and he knows and he says oh oh Jerusalem you've stoned and you've killed the prophets 
And there's such, so much that's coming to you. And you don't even understand it. You don't even see it. You don't even get it. And so he cries for the city. You know what? He's not crying for the temple that's going to be destroyed personally. I don't believe he's crying for, for the other buildings that have been built. I don't, I don't believe he's crying because of all of the, the religion that is being established there. He knows that there are souls of people there and they are dying and going to hell. And he knows that this city isn't seeing and understanding accurately and correctly. And he knows that judgment is coming and destruction is going to come upon them. And the wages of those sins are going to bring death, literal and other ways. And so his heart is broken over the people that he sees in this city. And I ask you today, when is the last time you cried over your city? When is the last time you and I even cried over our families? I'm asking God to give us a heart that moves us as we are going forward, as we even go into this discipleship process uh, and we, we go through this encounter at the, at the discipleship retreat, I'm praying that God would open our hearts to the reality that there are so many people around us who are lost. And here's the thing, you and I have the answer to that lostness. We have it. And I want to challenge you and I that, that we look differently than we ever have. One uh, translation uh, says, verse 41, a little bit differently. It says, as he saw the city, he wept. Not when he came down to it, but, but as he saw. And, and, and here's the thing. He saw not just a city and not just the, the, the things around the city. And he didn't just hear the livestock and the prayers of the, of the, of the religious people. But when he saw the city, he saw the city as it, as it seen through the eyes of the Father. He saw the city differently than just looking at buildings and looking at landscape. And I pray that you and I will see Sioux Falls differently than just looking at a city. I hear people all the time talk about our city. And some friends came from uh, Brazil a, a few weeks back, and Barb and I took them down to the falls. And, and, and we, we went up on the, on, in the tower and looked down, and we went over by the falls close so you could feel the mist coming on you down there. And they were just awed. They, they, they were just amazed, and they were like, wow, this is amazing. This, what a city. What a great city. And it is. It is a great city in many ways, but there are many ways it's not a great city. And I, I want to say to you and I that we need to see the city as God sees the city. And we need to respond to the city as God would have us respond to the city. And as we talk about discipleship going forward, we're going to be talking about you and I getting a mentality where it's, a, it's about more than just us. And we're seeing that way. And that's one of the things I want for you and I is that, that we, we see differently than just it's about me or it's about us, but it is about Two or three who can gather together and share the gospel with one another and, and, and we can reach out to other people besides those that are in here with us that maybe feel safer than some of the others do. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, this is a part of a text of a letter that Jeremiah sends back to the people. He's talking to those people who are still in captivity. Um, they were carried away uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon. So once 
Jerusalem did suffer the fate of captivity. All right, all of these people are taken out to Babylon, so they're dispersed, and they're in a place that isn't their city. It isn't their, their home. But, but listen to what the prophet says. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he speaks to the people there in captivity. And he says, here's what you need to do. You need to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. And here's why. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. There are a couple of things here in this passage that I want you and I to understand, and that is God puts us in the city he wants us to be in. I pray that none of you feel as though you are exiles today. I pray that you feel like that God has put you in a good place. But God has put you here, and, and much I believe he speaks to us much what he says to those who are in exile here. You need to ask me for the peace of your city. You need to ask me for the prosperity of the city. You need to pray to me about your city. How many of you have been praying for the city of Sioux Falls? Let that sink into you, all right? We need to be a people. We need to be a church that is praying for our city. Now, here's what's going to happen. When you and I start to pray for this city, God's going to start downloading stuff to us. He's going to start giving us strategies. He's going to start giving us burdens. He's going to start giving us opportunities. All right? Folks, that's one reason you and I don't pray. It's because we know if we pray, God is going to speak to us. And God's going to give us a handful of stuff to do. And I don't think it's because necessarily because we're lazy that we don't go to God. I think it's because we are afraid of what he might ask us to do. Some of you will be with us for a season. Some of you college students in particular, we got you maybe three years at best. Maybe four if we're really blessed. Okay? <laughs> but you're going on to other things. Some of you will stay. Praise God. He's called you to Sioux Falls. He's called you to Life Church, and this is where we'll do life and do ministry together. Some of the rest of you, you've got jobs and careers that may move you. Listen, it isn't the job that moves you. It isn't the career that moves you. Please understand, we are talking about a sovereign God here who decides exactly what city you will live in, and he decides exactly what time you will live there. We tried to come to Sioux Falls. And everything fell apart. But here we are. What's the difference? The timing of God is the difference. And so you and I, we don't live uh, in Kronos time with God. We live in Kairos time. It's in times and seasons where God says, now is the place for you, and I've established you here. But I will pick you up and take you to a place that you are to go, and I will show you. That was the whole Abraham adventure that we talked about a few Sundays ago. But the reality is God will move you. God decides and determines where you and I go. And what I'm telling you is that right now, God has determined that you and I are right here. Right here. And I hope and pray that on October 6th and 7th, God visits you with an unbelievable visitation of his Holy Spirit's power. And he just arrests you and just establishes you here. And you become a disciple maker right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. All right? You disciple someone inside this building and then you disciple someone outside of this building. All right? That you become a person of two or three or more. 
and that you're doing this work that God has called us to do. To do. It, it would appear from this passage that God has crafted cities with purpose and with intentionality. And it would also appear that we are placed within our city for purpose and intentionality. He made this city for a reason. As I said, there's some great things in this city and there's some things that are not pretty about this city. But he's put us here for both the good and the bad, the pretty and the ugly. He's put us here to to glorify Him, to lift His name and exalt His name among other people, to help people, to be generous to people, to care about people, to help people find freedom, to bring the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. Here's the problem. Some of us look at our city and we see it as, as only some kind of pit stop to something else. Are we just settle, if you will, and say, I'm just here. I don't, I, I don't need to engage that way. Well, not according to the Word of God. According to the Word of God, there's a purpose for you. There's, there's something intentional that you need to be able to do. Let me move you a little bit further over in the story. Let's go to Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. This is Jesus' lament over Jerusalem. And listen to what he says here. He says, Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. Says it twice. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. Listen to his heart. How often I have longed. In other words, I, I've had this great desire to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing. You were not willing. I believe that God wants to grab a hold of our hearts as his people. And I want, I want you and I to start to see this, the value of this city, not just the va- value of in individuals here. Now, every individual is valuable to God, and I don't want to miss that at all. But we need to see that God deals with cities and God deals with communities. And there are amazing things that God can do in a community when a church really gets around its community and and really begins to love on it. And we've already been doing that, all right? I'm just amazed. This Saturday morning uh, produce giveaway, I came... I scared them all to death yesterday because I had the key to the church in my pocket and I ran to Menards to get something for a window and uh, the, the uh, outreach people, Ann and, and Jack and Melissa and all those guys, they came up and there was no way to get in the church. And, and I, uh, Melissa called me. I saw her name on my phone. I went, Melissa, I'm on my way. I got the key. Don't worry. All right? And I'm tearing back here to the church to get back here. And I come around the, the, the curve out there and I look. And there's just this line of people sitting. And Ann Olson has this, this captivated audience out there. And she is just talking to them. I mean, she's got it going over there. And she's just telling them. I'm like, preach it, sister. I don't know what you're saying, but praise the Lord, okay? Uh, it's a good thing, all right? And people are across the street waiting with their little ba- empty bags, waiting to get their produce. We are loving on a neighborhood of people who I found out yesterday a lot of them are from from Nepal and India and such places, and they're farmers. They're people who love the garden and growing and harvesting, and they understand the seasons and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that, that just tells me there's just amazing opportunities for us to love on these people in this neighborhood and then to move beyond that, all right? But we have, we have to be able 
uh, to do this because I believe that, that if you look through the Bible, there's so much of the scriptures that talk about God's dealings with communities and groups of people and nations and cities, if you will. So let me close here very quickly. Why are we here? I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Why are we here? Why are we in this place? Because God says he has plans for us. And they are plans to give us a hope and a future. There's a story in the book of Lamentations in chapter 1. And there's a reference to a woman. And it talks about her uncleanliness and, and, and her fall, if you will. And uh, the analogy there is, is one of she has not considered her future. And therefore, she has not taken care in the moment. All right? And, and it says that her fall is terrible. All right? She hasn't thought about her future, her destiny, and therefore her fall is great, some translation says. Others say it is terrible. All right? And she says in her declaration in this, this analogy that the enemy has triumphed. Here's what I want you to understand. We are here because God has a plan. God has a plan for every one of your lives, purpose and destiny for every single one of you. And God has a plan for us corporately. There's a corporate destiny for Life Church that God has a plan for us to be impacting this city. You and I have to consider the future. We have to consider what is out there in front of us and live for that future. Otherwise, we will cast off our restraint because we'll lose our vision. We won't have any vision for the future. Therefore, we won't have any restraint or self-control for ourselves. And we'll end up in utter destruction because we will have done nothing to fulfill the purposes of God for our lives. And our fall will be equally as great as the analogy of the woman in, in the book of Lamentations. And here's what I want you to understand. When you fall, you don't just fall in your moment. When you, when you enter into spiritual destruction, you don't just enter for your moment. A lot of us think, well, this is just a momentary thing and I'll, I'll bounce back out of it. No, when you start to fall and you enter into destruction, your fall is great because your fall affects your future and your destiny that is out there. Everything that you lose here, you lose what is out there. And that's what God is trying to say through this analogy. All right, because she had no thought of her future, therefore her fall was terrible because she lost her destiny. She lost her future by what she was willing to give up. Why are we here? Because of this future, because of this. Don't lose the future and the destiny that God has put in you by giving up and not following what God has called us to do. You and I have to be willing to do whatever it takes for a move of God to happen here. Second thing, what does it look like? Why are we here? We're here because God has a plan and a future for us. What does that look like? Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9, it says this. And the title over this particular passage in most of your Bibles will say something like this. Marks of the true Christian or marks of true Christianity or, or whatever. Okay, but this is what it says. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And then here's where it really tells us what it looks like for us as God's people. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Then listen to this. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun, really, does it? Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 
Now it gets even worse. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you and I need to live like Jesus. That's what it looks like to have an impact on the community. You and I need to be humble and open to this neighborhood and these wonderful migrant people that God has put around us. We need to be generous within our city to other people that we encounter. We need to be loving. We need to defer uh, to others over ourselves. We need to be a people who are willing to lay down our lives for the lives of other people. We need to be people who are willing to do what Jesus would do if he walked into this city. The last thing is this. All right. Why are we here? Because God has a plan and a future for us. There's destiny and purpose for every one of us, and we need to be willing to do what it, what it takes to have a move of God. And that looks like us joining together as brothers and sisters and loving each other and living in harmony and being generous and giving and blessing and not cursing and all those kinds of things. That's what we do. That's what we have to do as God's people. And that's how we will make disciples as we do that. It will, it will have an attraction to others outside the kingdom of God. Where does it begin? There's a passage in Ezekiel, in chapter 37. It begins about verse 18. God speaks to the prophet Ezekiel, and he says, Hey, son of man, I want you to take a stick, and I want you to write on it. All right? And he tells him to write this. Write, write the name Judah and, and the people that, that Israel associated with him. Okay? And then he says, Now take another stick and write on it. And he says, Write on that stick, Joseph. That's the stick of Ephraim. Okay? And he says... Uh, right on that, all of the house of Israel associated with him. So we have, we have two, two groups here. We, ha- we have um, those that are for Judah and those that are for Joseph and all the people that are with him. He says, you take these two sticks, all right? And he says, and now what, here's what I want you to do. When, when you take these two sticks, I want you to just bring them together and hold them together, all right? And he says, I want you to join them into one another that they may become one in your hand. One stick. It's a miracle. One stick. And what is God saying? God is saying, I want you all to do this together. I want you to be together. He goes on in in, in this passage, and he he says, I'm going to take the people of Israel, all the people of Israel, and I'm going to bring them together. And he says, they shall no longer be two nations. They shall no longer be divided into two kingdoms. They're no, long, they're no longer going to be in that place. But when they come together and they are in unity and they are in harmony with one another, this is what he says I'll do. I will save them from all the backslidings in which they have sinned. In other words, I'll give them deliverance. He goes, I will cleanse them. In other words, they'll become sanctified people. He goes, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. And then he goes on further down and says, and that shall be an everlasting covenant that I will make with them and I will get this set them in their land we cannot be a church that's floating over here in this neighborhood and we're just driving in and driving out God has set this church And I mean that more than the four walls here God has set this church in this neighborhood in this city a purpose and God is unifying you and I what will be what will be a, a major key to our unity and our harmony as God's people 
please, you got to buy into this. <laughs> Discipleship. Discipleship is the word. Because Jesus left us with this amazing, great command. Go into all the world and make disciples. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. And that's where we become so unified. That's where we, we become so together is in that place of making disciples for the body of Christ. Where does it start? It starts in-house. You and I catching the vision, understanding the purpose, buying into it and saying, you know what? I believe it and I know I got to do it because it's the commandment that God has given to me. Therefore, I'm going to go and make disciples. And I'm going to do that in, in unity and in harmony with my brothers and my sisters. And we're going to be the body of Christ together. We're going to sharpen each other. And then we're going to sharpen others outside of us for the kingdom of God. We're going to, we're going to look in the house next week. Okay, we're going to talk more about being a member next week. All right? And what that all looks like. And, and working together and being the, the body of Christ together inside. And then we'll come to our retreat the following weekend. And this is my hope. I am praying for you and I, and I would like for you to join me in praying these pieces, and we'll be done here. I believe that God can give us a genuine move of the Holy Spirit like nothing we've ever seen before, and I believe that He can do it. He can do it right now, but I believe He's definitely intending to do that through the discipleship uh, retreat. And I'm not talking about anointed people speaking or, or singing or, or some impacting mixer or something like that. All of that's going to be happening. We're going to be doing all of that together. We're going to be learning together and being equipped together. I'm talking about you and God. And I'm talking about God just ruining you in the power of the Holy Spirit so you will never be the same again and you walk away from there a different person than you've ever been. So I'm praying for a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for a renewed passion for God, for one another, and beyond these four walls. And like I said, I'm praying that discipleship will ruin us, that we can never be the same again because of discipleship. And I'm praying also that we all, every one of us, will develop at least a two or three mentality. I need to have one, two, or three people in my life that I am extremely intentional with to do discipleship and do some life with for a season of time as God shows me and gives me. So we have the message, folks. It's an old Muslim saying. And I won't get it all right because I don't have it written down, but it goes something like this. He who lives in the desert and knows where the oasis is and tells no one is evil. He who lives in the desert and knows where the oasis is and shows everyone is blessed. You have the message. You have the water of living life. We need to go and give it to others. Amen. Josh, come and, come and parse that message out for us here. And then pray for us, please. Um, we have been challenged by this today to, to reach our city and to, to go and to make disciples. Um, challenged by God's calling in our hearts uh, for the city and for discipleship. And the only way that we can answer that call is if we answer God's call in our own hearts. If we respond to the message of Christ in our own hearts and that 
message is that Christ has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for your life, and he has planned that with intentionality. And he has, um, he has called his own son, Christ, Jesus Christ, to, to the cross for each of us. Um, and that act of Jesus going to the cross um, is that we can take on his perfection and his righteousness um, and he takes on our sin for us so that we can have righteousness, so that we can be whole, that we yes. can be pure and made clean. And, and that's the message that we want to give to our city, to reach them, mm-hmm. to bring salvation to them, and to bring hope to this city. Um, and so I'm going to pray for us, and the prayer team will come up. So if, if this is new to you or you just want to come and receive prayer, you can do that now. Um, and after I finish praying, you will be dismissed. Father God, we come to you uh, today seeking your calling in our lives. We come um, challenged and just pray that you would just speak to us about where we fit in in this, in in discipleship and in in sharing this message of truth. Um, And God, I pray that that this message um, for our city would, would impact our hearts, that we would be change, that we would have a desire for discipleship, that we would um, seek to know um, what that means and how we can take a part in it, how we can answer your call. And God, I pray that we would, we would answer that call in our own lives to follow Christ each and every day, that we would lay down our lives, that we would pick up everything that we are and go and follow you um, because it is worth it to find hope in you, to find that love in you. And because Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and he is life. And uh, we desire that life and to be one with Christ. And so, Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.